What's up, y'all? I got a dance deal for you, Chicago. Hubbard Street Dance heats up the Harris Theater stage with its spring series of joy next week. Now, this is some of the most dynamic, cutting-edge contemporary dance made by the world's leading choreographers right here in Chicago. I'm excited for Echoes of Our Ancestors by Maria Torres, among other creators. But you can only catch it for three performances between May 17th and May 19th. Luckily, CityCast Chicago listeners can get tickets in any section for 20% off using code CityCast online or over the phone. Visit HubbardStreetDance.com for details and use code CityCast. Today on CityCast Chicago, is City Council doing enough to hold Chicago's dollar stores accountable? Lurie's Children's Hospital is still experiencing system-wide outages, and we've seen a first look at the Sox's potential South Loop Stadium. To help me break it all down, executive producer Simone Alisea and WCIU-TV host Brandon Pope. It's Friday, February 9th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is what Chicago is talking about. Morning, Brandon. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Hey, great to be back. You know, the other day I was sitting down, I'm like, I haven't been on CityCast in a minute. I was, I was listening, I was getting some FOMO. Now, I saw how I saw how busy you was this week, popping over to 670, <laughs> you at the, the WCIU on the block TV offices. Um, I mean, you got so many projects going on around the city, so we appreciate you making time to sit down with CityCast. Always, man. I love talking with you guys and recapping some news and uh, hyping up the great things you guys are doing, too. Appreciate you. And good morning to our executive producer, Simone Alisea. Hey, Jacoby. Uh, Simone, earlier this week, we were talking about the Super Bowl partly being about commercials. And so we reflected and reminisced on some of Chicago's most classic and legendary commercials and iconic uh, ad characters. But the Super Bowl is also about that halftime show. Ever mm-hmm. since 1993, it's also been about who is playing at the halftime show, what music artists is headlining, who are going to be some of their special guests. Uh, and so I had to ask y'all, you know, when you look back on, you know, 30 years of halftime shows, right? We ain't seen all 30 years live. Uh, but Simone, what's one that stands out to you is maybe your favorite halftime show? It was Beyonce. Beyonce in 2013, hands down. I, I had it so quick the minute you, you asked because... Number one, Beyonce Live is always a treat uh, in any format uh, that you that you see her in. But also, right, that was the when the power went out, right, and there was that, and like the whole thing just shut down. Like that what? might have cost somebody a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like that moment was such a like gasp moment, and it was so funny too because I was like trying to remember. I couldn't even remember who the halftime show was when my team, the mm. Seattle Seahawks, won in 2014 on my 21st birthday and I had to go look it up and it was Bruno Mars, which is also a great show, but it wasn't like Beyonce shutting down the stadium, just hands down my, my absolute favorite show. No, that's, that's, that's a great one. That That's an absolute great one. I mean, the, the recent years since like rock nation kind of took over it, that the acts that we've seen, um, uh, have, have been getting even more and more spectacular. I got big hopes, uh, for this Usher concert. I think at some point he's going to be out there roller skating or something. Uh, Pope, when you think about your favorite halftime show, which one are you going with? Uh, my favorite of all time is probably the Prince in the Rain in Miami, 2006. Same Super Bowl the Bears went to against the Colts. 
and I, I just, you know, just iconic Prince performance. It's crazy that it took so long to get him on a Super Bowl halftime stage, and he delivered. I mean, and, and the rain coming down as he's playing Purple Rain, that was perfect, perfect. Nah, that's a classic. That's one that I had to go back on YouTube and watch. For me, honestly, I've watched it on YouTube a few times, and just the the intro, right? It kicked everything off the way that Mike Jack came out in 1993 uh, to, to to start this era of halftime shows off. Um, you know, the We Are the World <laughs> might not a you might might not have hit as hard at the end, but that documentary about it, you know. And so now I'm, I'm sort of uh, sort of. Uh, thinking about it with the reflective lens of the documentary so I like it even more uh, and so between Beyonce that, that's the Super Bowl halftime where he just like stood there and people just cheering for a whole minute right mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yep. iconic yeah the, the, the showmanship of all three of these choices you, you really can't go wrong so um, I'm excited to see what it is and if y'all got a favorite halftime Super Bowl y'all already know where y'all can hit us send us a text or a voicemail at 773-780-0246 if you're new to CityCast Chicago, every Friday we bring our friends in to talk about some of the big stories that were happening in our city this week. Uh, and we got to start off with a big story coming out of the loop with Lurie Children's Hospital. Uh, according to uh, their spokespeople, they've been dealing with a cybersecurity matter going on 10 days now. Brandon, what's the latest? Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's really wild that this has gone on so long. So. Obviously, a hospital has to operate on a lot of technology services, not just for the people that work there, but also the patients. And so what this has done, the impact of this so far, is it's made things very difficult. One, for patients to access their patient portal. Everybody may may know the MyChart app that many health systems use. That's been shut down completely uh, for parents and families that use uh, Lurie's Children's Hospital there. Um, It's also made things confusing, like when are appointments going to happen? Uh, reminders about appointment times, if you need to cancel or reschedule an appointment. So what Lori's done is they've set up a hotline that operates, but uh, you had mentioned to me, Jacoby, you had walked in there and just saw how uh, frantic everything was because this is a major communications breakdown. We don't realize how much we need our internet systems to get things going. There's not a lot of details out there yet from Lori Children's Hospital uh, about exactly what caused a cyber attack. No real details yet on what's behind it, but many experts out there speculate that this seems to be uh, similar to what happens with ransomware, where somebody's trying to get money out of somebody, and maybe the reason why they haven't released many details as of yet. So um, definitely a frantic situation over there and impacts just a lot of people uh, who are really in need. Yeah, when uh, we've heard from families, have they been able to get their appointments rescheduled at other uh, hospitals? Um, How is Lurie's operating uh, outside of like emergency situations? Yeah, that call center has been the big resource there they've been using, Um, just kind of going back old school, phone calls, Mm -hmm. um, calling people themselves, getting prescription refill requests um, done um, via appointment, via phone call, via their hotline, um, and then trying to just coordinate from there. The FBI, Chicago, they are um, currently uh, helping in this investigation for now. Um, But as far as parents and families and what they're doing right now, uh, they're just staying close to the phone and staying close by. Um, that's really all they can do at this point. As far as uh, they they are trying to work with other health systems to, um, you know, secure appointments if need be, or if there's a cancellation that needs to happen. But so far, they're just trying to keep business going as usual. Are you self-conscious about your smile? 
Do you only allow yourself a closed mouth grin? Well, with Aligner Experts, there's no reason for you to diminish your smile. As orthodontists, they have the privilege of witnessing the remarkable transformation of patients' smiles, which often translates into a profound boost in their confidence. Yet, there always seems to be a deterrent. I ain't got the time, I don't have the funds. Luckily, Aligner Experts is redefining convenient and accessible clear aligner solutions. With customizable treatments, transparent pricing, and their cutting edge 3D scanners and dental monitoring technology, you can transform your smile through the convenience of your own schedule. Stop in at their West Loop or Lakeview Clinic today for your complimentary smile assessment. Aligner Experts, your destination for advanced clear aligner solutions. P.S. They got another clinic on the way, so stay tuned for their Old Town location. Chicago has over $150 stores and city council is trying to advance an ordinance uh, that will regulate sort of where they can and cannot be built. But a major investigation dropped out of block club that just kind of shows the scope of the issues dollar stores um, have. Uh, Simone, can you kind of walk us through this investigation? Yeah. So this is really interesting. As you mentioned, there is an ordinance working through city council right now that would sort of limit the opening of new dollar stores. It would say uh, new dollar stores couldn't open within one mile of existing dollar stores owned by the same company. Um, are we talking family dollar, dollar general, dollar tree? Those are the three companies that own dollar stores in the city of Chicago. Um, and when I first I remember when I first saw the story, I was a little bit skeptical about it because a lot of the issues that were cited were issues like trash and like a crumbling facade and sort of nuisance concerns that kind of felt a little like blight coded to me, you mm -hmm. know, of like, oh, we don't want these stores here because, quote unquote, the wrong type of people are hanging out at these stores. But of course, like a lot of people rely on dollar stores. And we've talked about on this show the dearth of grocery stores in uh, black and Hispanic neighborhoods. And often dollar stores are the only spot where you can get any type of food. But this week, Block Club Chicago looked into city code violations uh, since 2017 of all three companies. And the companies who own dollar stores in Chicago had racked up more than 3,300 of these code violations. And not just for these sort of nuisance concerns I mentioned, but also for things like selling expired baby formula and expired mm -hmm. medicine, overtaxing and overcharging customers. Um, and then in addition to that, Block Club also looked into um, federal labor violations, almost $1 million in fines for, for unsafe workplace practices, and state labor violations uh, where there are investigations of, of wage theft claims. And they also interviewed um, Alderman Matt O'Shea of the 19th Ward on the far south side, who has been spearheading this ordinance, who, who you know, I think really broke down that it's not about regulating the the types of businesses that can be in these neighborhoods necessarily. This is about saying like, hey, if we're going to say that this is the only resource available to people, let's at least make it a halfway decent resource and not a resource that is, you know, crumbling, that is selling expired food, that is not paying its workers. And originally, O'Shea had wanted to include regulations that would you know, allow the city to suspend the business licenses of, of repeat violators. But that ended up getting edited out as they were, you know, trying to create a, a, some legislation that that they thought would actually pass. And so I think it's this really interesting 
um, look at, you know, what do we actually expect of these businesses, uh, particularly in neighborhoods where maybe that is the only spot that you can that you can get what you need? Yeah, growing up, I've, I've always said I moved around like six or seven times, but one constant is I've always lived typically within walking distance of a Dollar Tree, a family dollar. My mom lived three blocks from a Dollar General right now. And so it is something that growing up you you don't think of as exploitative in nature. You're, you're not thinking about how the proliferation of, of dollar stores can often lead to the downturn uh, of, of grocery stores. And, and it's not that like sort of ca- causality there. It's just the, the fact that because... 71% of these 150 exist in places where, in, in some respects, they do feel a need. But like you said, when I look at this ordinance, just sort of keeping them from opening up doesn't really get to these other problems. This 3,300 violations totals out to like 600,000 in fines. When we're looking at a billion-dollar company, are we just talking about the cost of doing business um, uh, at, at the end of the day. So so what do you think really can be done to address uh, sort of the more the, the more negligent part of this conversation? And that's the question, right? The, the ordinance as is written now doesn't get at sort of that, like what happens when these actors, when these businesses are caught violating city code or violating labor law. You know, it's interesting, too, because the ordinance, as it's currently written, which, as I said, mostly refers to just when new stores can open up, a lot of a lot of city council members are opposed to it, you know, and again, Mm -hmm. for sort of the reasons that I mentioned of like, well, if we lose this, if we lose this, then what? Then what do we have? Then if we then we might have nothing like what comes after that? Um, You know, the owners uh, of the various stores have sort of come out, you know, have spoken to specific alders, have come out to city council and have sort of said, we are, you know, working to improve. We're working with store managers, you know, doing training to try to improve these practices. Um, But I think there is this real question of, you know, what is the problem we're actually trying to solve here? And does the city have a mechanism by which we we can solve it? And is it politically viable to be passed? (laughs) Right. They they went back with the new ordinance, taking out the one of the only components that could have been an accountability measure, which would have said if you get a couple of violations, you could have your business license suspended. And so, like you said, that push and pull to get an ordinance all the way across the finish line sometimes ends up more times than not, like stripping out those components. And there is a there is a compromise being suggested of like maybe these dollar store owners would have to, you know, essentially consult with alders and the community, like create some sort of, um, y- you know, create some sort of agreement or would have to like have some kind of relationship. In some ways, that's like a flavor of accountability. If like, you know, you know that your <laughs> alderman like is in contact with these people. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's I think it's not exactly the kind of regulation that we would think of as being like a deterrent. One story that's been getting a lot of attention over the last few weeks is uh, the White Sox have been floating the idea of potentially moving their stadium. But we're not talking out of town, out the suburbs. We're talking essentially a couple miles north into the South Loop. Uh, and now, you know, we're starting to see uh, uh, s- some pictures, right? And I ain't going to lie. I'm a sucker for a good rendering. Uh, <laughs> Brandon, what are officials uh, sort of floating in this uh, potential South Loop stadium? Yeah, you and me both, man. We're both suckers for a good rendering because these renderings are 
uh, fascinating and beautiful. So uh, they dropped some mock-ups. The, the company is uh, Related Midwest. Uh, they've got mock-ups that just show this beautiful, strong South Riverfront kind of complex with restaurants and residences and all kinds of multi-use type of buildings happening with the skyline visible as you're inside the stadium. Like you can only dream, right? Um, so they're saying this could potentially yield billions of dollars um, in economic impact for Chicago. They gave some interesting figures here. A $9 billion investment with an estimated economic impact of $4 billion per year if they were to move to the 78, at least a 10,000 construction jobs, 22,000 permanent jobs, and 1,000 affordable units within that uh, complex there of the 78. And that's not all though. They'd also want to take that Bridgeport area that the Sox would be leaving from and turn it into a soccer stadium uh, for the Chicago Fire soccer team, as well as adding some affordable units over there as well, 1,300 residences. The big question though, of course, that everyone's asking, how is it going to get paid for? Who's who's yep. paying for it, right? And uh, <laughs> that's that's the big. That's always the big question with these things. Uh, the real estate developers hoping for a major package from the Illinois General Assembly. Uh, but look, Governor J.B. Pritzker has already made it clear he's not a fan of public financing um, mm-hmm. for private corporations or private businesses. And that's exactly and not, what they're this not would the be. only team in town looking for some looking that's for the some other stadium <laughs> moolah right now. Everybody wants a new stadium <laughs> and everybody about to be dipping in our tax dollars for it. And it's like, I don't know, you, man. You got, you got stadium money. You got, you got stadium, stadium money. <laughs> because for both teams, they they got a crib, right? And they got a lease. <laughs> Referring to the to the Bears as the, as yes. the other team here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We got um, McDonald's right? at the house, basically. Right? <laughs> the Bears got Soldier Field. The 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 Sox got guarantee rate through twenty twenty nine. But like every franchise it feels like right now, they're looking to the future. What is the the sort of next era of, you know, the Sox um not only stadium, but the sort of experience, the the game day, and then even out of season experience is going to look like. And guarantee rate doesn't have a really full life when the Sox are not playing there. It looks beautiful uh, to walk past and to drive past. Um, I, I was in uh, two Ubers this morning. I went to go see my mom. So I naturally asked, you know, what do you think about the, the Sox renderings? And both drivers on the way there and on the way back were just like... Yeah, that thing looks beautiful. It looks really good. One was a Sox fan, one really was more of a Cubs fan, but they both spoke to what that game day experience like. And right now, it is very authentic and lively, and people love to tailgate, but you don't have those surrounding bars and those surrounding businesses and that sort of surrounding complex. And seeing that Sox logo gleaming off the river with that, obviously, I don't think, the Sears Tower is nearly that close yeah. as the renderings <laughs> make it seem in the background. They definitely um, fudged it up a little bit. Yeah. yeah, but it but as they hype up the water taxi ride from Ping Tom Park and and the multiple uh train lines that run into to Roosevelt and State and the bus lines that are right off of that, uh they, they really are selling something that currently guaranteed rate is not. But it does come back to I ain't trying to pay for that. We are still paying for guarantee rate. We are still paying for uh, the, the the spaceship over at Soldier Field. And so, again, 
it looks beautiful. The 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 idea of all these jobs and all this money sounds good, but you know that, that that's always what we hear when it's when it's talking about mega developments. Yeah, you know, Jacoby, I, it it seems like this may be the most popular new stadium proposal I've ever heard of in Chicago. Like everyone who's asked about it unanimously is like, yeah, this this is great. Even even older woman Nicole Lee, who she represents Bridgeport, this negatively impacts Bridgeport. You would think. Um, she's hoping it doesn't, but even she's like, yeah, I can't even lie. Like that's, that's a great pitch. <laughs> you know what I think too, it is about it is right. The 78 is one of these big mega developments that we talk about in Chicago that always promise to bring jobs that promise to bring this and that. And you're always looking for what is that kind of big anchor going to be? And it almost always feels like it's this like outside company that doesn't have roots in Chicago. And it feels like it's an outsider who's coming in to like gentrify the neighborhood, whatever it is for this. This is a beloved sports team, right? That that people are dedicated to and that who they want to go to their games. And this is Chicago. This is like one of Chicago's baseball teams. And like that is, I think, a warmer and fuzzier feeling for an anchor to a big old mega development uh, than maybe some of the other ones we've seen. So I think it's a little it's a it's a bit of an easier pill to swallow, even if fundamentally we're still talking about private development uh, and and private developers who are who are you know looking to profit off of this. Yeah, I mean they are two point four miles away. It's a six minute drive up Clark Street, uh, down to Dan Ryan a little bit, and so it's right. It's not. They're still uh, right. Arlington it's- Heights. It's not Nashville, which was <laughs> which was dominating headlines for a couple of days, and and again I know there are tons of people who. Are, are probably on the other side and say, no, it, it's not the South side anymore. If we start creeping into the South loop and into the loop, it, it's going to be an interesting conversation with a seemingly even longer timeline with 2029 being um, the, the end of their current lease. And, and they, they've said they want it after the current lease. This isn't something that would interrupt uh, the, the, the current time. And, you know, I think people have to ask themselves, do you how much do you value your favorite sports team? And how much do you want them to stay? Because the reality is this. We're living in a, in a space where sports teams want to take their stadiums and make them living and breathing places beyond just game days. That's just the way it is now. That's just the way it's got to be. And the the, the companies, the, the corporations, the, the teams that are doing that are making major revenue and rising up in the Forbes rankings. And those that aren't are getting behind and losing money because less people are attending games. So how do you make it to where more people attend games and it becomes a whole experience? Wrigley has that already, right? The Sox, they got to get with the time. So if we want the Sox to stay in Chicago, I think you got to have some compromise here. Every single City Cash Chicago episode ends with some good news. Simone, what is your good news for the people today? I just really want to thank everybody who came out to Karaoke Storytellers on Sunday. Um, it was such a fun time. Karaoke Storytellers, uh, as you explained, Jacoby, during the show as a host, uh, it is a show that features storytelling and karaoke. We were out there early uh, during, I did a little pre-show trivia on stage at Lincoln Hall, and uh, turns out our listeners 
did come early and turns out uh they know a lot of trivia so i gotta make it harder for the next time uh because i heard a couple of them g them things sounded plenty hard enough i i thought so but everybody got the answers very quickly um and uh yeah ended up ended up moving very very fast but uh next time next time we'll do some some harder trivia we'll do more trivia i like i know now i know you guys are like you guys know chicago you listen to the show and you're retaining it so now i'm gonna challenge you so that's that's what's gonna happen um, but yeah, it was just a great time. Great time to meet listeners and readers. If you uh, if you missed it, um, make sure you stay tuned for the next time we're out here um, because, uh, yeah, try to be out and try to have fun and, and meet folks. It was a great time. Great time. I love that. Uh, and while the entire CityCast Chicago team won't be at these next couple of events, if you want to see me live on stage again and you enjoy karaoke storytellers, come out to see me at The Moth this Monday at Lincoln Hall at 7 o'clock. And then on Thursday, I'll be hosting Grown Folks Stories at The Promontory. You know, I'm kind of feeling in a in a storytelling hosting mood, trying to get my groove back for 2024. You know, trying to knock some of the stage rust off. Uh, so come kick it with me next week. Pope, what is your good news? Gotta love those velvety vocals. Well, I got two for you. One, got this great, great sit-down interview uh, with the first black uh, GM in Chicago Bears history, Ryan Poles, a man who's got a big decision to make Mm -hmm. uh, in this upcoming draft when it comes to the number one overall pick. Um, A lot of talk about what he should do with that. But we're going to talk about the man behind that pick and how he rose to being in such a powerful position. So exclusive interview on the block, uh, 7 o'clock on WCIU and re-airs Saturday at 10 a.m. on CW26 Chicago. And then the next week, next Thursday, talking to Kevin Warren, first black team president and CEO. Um, of the Chicago Bears, uh, another history maker himself who's got an incredible story uh, about how he took trauma and turned that pain into purpose. So I can't wait for people to hear that one as well next Thursday, the 15th, 7 o'clock. So that's some good Big news things, there. Brandon Paul. Big things, Hey, absolutely. And they're great people. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy hearing from them. But also, man, I'm a big I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I love reading a physical book. I can't mm-hmm. do these e-readers. I can't do anything like that, right? And I was really sad when in my Gold Coast neighborhood, the Barnes & Noble shut down on State Street. I used to go there every weekend and just camp out and just read. It was so fun. Well, now I can do that in Wicker Park. Soon I'll be able to do it in Wicker Park because Barnes & Noble has officially, they're going to open a new store in that former Walgreens flagship building right there on Milwaukee Avenue in Wicker Park. That's a great location. It's got three floors. Hopefully they use all three floors for their Barnes and Noble. Hopefully there's a coffee shop inside so I can spend a whole day in there. But I am elated. We need bookstores to be saved, preserved, and I'm all for a new one. Wicker Park's a great neighborhood and a great place for it. Yeah, they're opening three other locations, two in the suburbs and one in Lincoln Park. Uh, it's pretty cool to to have been watching in real time the the, you know, sort of death and resurgence of uh, Barnes and Noble in particular. Uh, so to see a few being opened up and then one in as beautiful a building as that former Walgreens. People love to go there. And so I bet it'd be back on TikTok. People d- pretending they've discovered this building all over again. <laughs> you know how it goes. <laughs> 
Before we get out of here, uh, my some good news. Uh, it's kind of a two-parter, but very small. One, I just want to give some love uh, to Bulls player Kobe White. He's been hooping all year. That's my most improved player uh, in the league this year. Uh, and so shout out to Kobe White. I mean, over the last three games, like 35, 26, 33. Uh, so the boy been balling. So it's been cool to see um, and what has been, a, a you know, another tough under 500 year for the Bulls. And then another one, uh, also some love from the Chicago Bulls. Uh, a great write-up recently from our friend Shakia. Taylor over at the Tribune um, about Joe Kim Noah, who played with the Bulls for, I think, nine seasons, is one of the most beloved uh, players of all time. Um, And she talked about how, as a sort of Bulls alum and ambassador, he's remained connected to the team. And last year, I got to do a kind of sit-down interview with Joe Kim, and it was just cool to see uh, this player who, you know, went on to play for other franchises, still call Chicago home. I've been to a few games over the last couple of seasons, and I want to say 75% of the time, there's a moment when they cut the camera over uh, to Noah, you know, going crazy in the stands or in his box or on the on the uh, floor. Uh, it's, it's just really cool to see the connection he's maintained with the team. And so I want everybody to, uh, you know, if you got a moment to read that article from our friend Shakia, I will drop that in the show notes, as long with links to all of the events we talked about and the other articles we discussed in today's episode. I want to give a huge shout out to executive producer Simone Alisea. Thanks, Jacoby. And I want to thank WCIU TV hosts, radio hosts, podcast hosts, moderator, panelists, uh, and one of CityCast Chicago's favorites. Shout out to Brandon Poe for making time. Of course, man. Glad I could be back. Simone, great to be on with you. And uh, let's do it again some other time, yo. Hey, I got one quick favor to ask y'all before we get up out of here. Uh, if you're riding with City Cash Chicago and you love the work that we're doing, consider becoming a member of City Cash Chicago. Starting at just eight bucks a month, you can get ad-free listening and members-only updates, and your support will help make sure that City Cash and Hey Chicago can keep making great content for years to come. Do it now at membership.citycash.fm. Of course, I got to give a huge thank you to all the other people who make City Cash Chicago possible. Our producer is Michelle Navarro. Our newsletter editor is Sydney Madden. Additional help this week was from producer Elizabeth Kama and newsletter editor Adrian Gonzalez. The music we all love is from Sam Thousand, all the kimonos, and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. If you love City Cash Chicago, even just half as much as I love it, because trust me. I love doing this every day. I've been doing it for the last three years with a smile on my face. Please stay tapped in with our website, chicago.citycast.fm. Subscribe to our daily news that Hey Chicago and share us with your friends and family. And hey, we're going to be back here on Monday. I know you will be too. I'll talk to you then. Peace. <laughs>